0: Welcome to WISO Weekend, WISO's weekly radio magazine. I'm Jerry Kenney. It's a mixed bag of programming we have for you this Sunday morning. A bit of news, a bit of music, some quiet contemplation. Thanks for joining us. Up first, a little bit of good news on a tough subject. The African-American infant mortality rate has been consistently high for decades, both in Ohio and throughout the United States. But one nearby county got the rate down significantly for Ohio Public Radio, WCP. PN's Anna Huntsman tells us how they did it.
1: We are going to um, Elyria, and we're going to go into, it is a housing, community, low-income.
2: Community health worker Jill Sands and I are in her car on the way to visit a young African-American mom in Lorain County. It's one of her daily duties in the Mercy Health Resource Mothers Program, which provides moms in the county with services and information throughout their pregnancy and until their child turns one.
1: I'll be just catching up on how
3: things are going, but she's always taking advice and wants to do the right thing for her baby.
2: We pull up to the house and head inside, where we're greeted by Anna J. Milton and her 8-month-old son, Isaiah. Sands gets down on the floor with him, and he flashes her a toothy grin.
4: <laughs> Look at those teeth! Yeah, he got five teeth on the top and two at the bottom. Hi, sweetheart.
2: you come see me? Home visits like these are a chance to assist moms in the county who may not be able to afford or have access to other means of support. Milton and Sands talk about Isaiah's development since their last visit.
1: over the place?
4: Yeah, he does it all, Joe.
2: When Isaiah celebrates his first birthday in April, he'll be part of a major Lorain County success story. In 2018, the county's African-American five-year infant mortality rate was eight deaths per 1,000 live births. But back in 2011, that rate was more than twice as high.
0: 21.7 was our five-year rolling average, which is a pretty high rate. Our, our average rate among white babies was 7.2. So you can see there's a huge discrepancy.
2: That's Lorain County Health Commissioner Dave Koval. He says the health department embarked on a collaborative effort with public health agencies in the county to try to reduce this high rate. A key part of that was connecting moms to community health workers.
0: They'll try to get moms early on, uh, prenatally if possible, and then try to work with them through uh, the birth and then all the way through the first year to do all kinds of different things.
2: Things like educating moms about car seat safety, sleep death prevention, and smoking. Community health worker Jill Sands says the resource mothers give their
3: clients more than just medical insight. In a doctor's office, they can say whatever they want, but we can actually see what's going on in the home and address it um, and maybe make some suggestions. But it's very casual. It's very, um, it's like a visiting, you know,
2: kind of like visiting a a friend. Koval says home visits likely contributed to the rate going down, but he says he can't pinpoint an exact cause for the dramatic drop yet. County data shows no decrease in premature births and no change in birth weights or prenatal appointments. The data suggests only one significant change among African-American moms.
0: Of all the smoking guns, if you will, of the things that we think really made an impact, uh, reduction in tobacco use was clearly one. There's no question that our tobacco use among moms plummeted.
2: The five-year average maternal tobacco use rate for African-Americans decreased 15 percent from 2011 to 2018, which Koval credits to home visits. But he says the biggest reason for the drop was simple, effective collaboration across agencies. First Year Cleveland, a public health coalition focused on reducing infant mortality in Cuyahoga County, is looking to replicate some of Lorain County's efforts.
5: Their home visiting really attracted us.
2: That's Executive Director Bernadette Kerrigan.
5: But we have to make sure that's more coordinated, the home visiting with the hospitals, with the expected parents, with the other agencies, and some of the alignment and coordination that Lorraine talked about. We were impressed, and we are looking of how we can improve alignment.
2: For Milton, her home visits have been an enormous help, and she hopes more expecting moms take advantage of the program.
5: It's a huge support system for people who feel like they can not do stuff by themselves or just... So they don't have the strength to be a parent. There is somebody out there who will help you.
2: Having reduced their black infant mortality rate, Lorain County public health officials say the next step is to focus on kindergarten readiness. For Ohio Public Radio, I'm Anna Huntsman.
0: Here's a truth about coming home from war. The soldier is finally home, but not fully. The National Center for PTSD says trauma survivors often experience problems in their intimate and family relationships because PTSD interferes with trust, communication, and emotional closeness. Today on Veterans Voices, Army veteran Andrew Klein of Kettering talks with his wife, Anna, and daughter, Elise, about their gradual healing process.
1: What do you remember about when you enlisted and why? Why?
6: Uh, I remember that I mean I was eighteen years old at the time and uh, I joined um, I, I would say primarily was it was I'm kind of selfish motives, honestly I, I needed to pay for college and there were a lot of college benefits, but also um, I joined right after 9 eleven and was definitely feeling very patriotic and wanted to serve my country so um, twofold in that regard.
2: Can you describe how you felt coming home from combat?
6: So we're, we're coming home and being excited to come home, and, and they bring us back. And I I remember, like, okay, I remember I felt that recovering from a, a full year in combat was going to be a long, hard thing to get through.
1: I remember when those buses pulled in to St. Mary's, and we kept looking for each other. And I remember when we finally found each other, even first looking at you, um, it felt different. I didn't know it then, but I think that feeling was recognizing that it—, it felt in some ways like our battle together began then Mm -hmm. like we had to figure that out how to come back together Mm -hmm. um but yes I feel like I kind of being pregnant and excited and having my little part-time job and and you were missing
6: I remember feeling just confused like I knew you wanted more and I knew I wanted more but I had no idea how to be there you know Mm -hmm. i've it was like how am i gonna i can't be who i used to be like that person's not here anymore Mm -hmm. but i can't just be stuck like this and i it took a long time to for me to realize like in some ways there's a problem i think but i i felt like you were sometimes you were frustrated but other times like you loved me and and Mm -hmm. And you really wanted better for me and, and I I felt like when I finally started really realizing like I had a problem and something needed to get better was when I did start to get better. And it was – that part was almost harder for me personally. It wasn't almost. It was harder for me personally. Like recovering, once I decided I needed to recover from the war and PTSD and and get better was so much harder than just feeling kind of numb you know, and out of it all the time. Like I could cope a lot better when I just – felt sort of distant and numb but
1: I think too the misconception is that like they think about you when you first come back like family mm. even like oh we should check in on him, see how he's doing but for us it was not until three years I would say after you got back where we finally were like we need to we need to figure stuff out mm. <laughs> like we can't just live like this the rest of our lives mm-hmm. like Mm -hmm. it took a long time for us for both of us to realize that we there was more that we needed to do Mm. to kind of reclaim or even like figure out our new normal
6: um you stuck with me through it and and we were able to recover from that together i mean that's one of the best best things that's ever happened to me is being able to look back and say that i i have recovered from that i love you i love you too
0: that was Army veteran Andrew Klein and his wife, Anna, and daughter, Elise. Their conversation took place at WISO as part of StoryCorps Military Voices Initiative, which visited the Miami Valley last summer. Veterans Voices on WISO is presented by Right Credit Union with additional support from CareSource. The story was edited by Alan Steiger and Will Davis. States around the country are preparing for the big census count that happens just once a decade. State House correspondent Andy Chow talked to census leaders about how they plan to reach out to the people most at risk of going uncounted.
7: We want the best use of our resources. As Michelle Heritage walks through the corridors of the YWCA Family Shelter in Columbus, she shares her ultimate vision for Franklin County.
8: We have to make sure the bottom's able. Nobody in this community should be hungry or homeless.
7: Heritage is executive director of the Community Shelter Board, leading the charge in making sure people who are homeless in Franklin County are still counted when the census is taken. There were more than 10,000 people who were homeless in Ohio last year, according to a count taken by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Getting an accurate count of the homeless population can be among the biggest challenges every 10 years. So groups that work closely with people who are homeless will lead the way.
8: They know where people are located. They know if we've got camps, where they're located. They also know where people who are unsheltered may be congregating um, in certain spaces, um, maybe at a soup kitchen, uh, if people are using particular library branches, for example. And so it's really important that we communicate.
7: Carol Hector Harris with the U.S. Census Bureau says there are several groups of people that will be counted through different enumeration efforts. That includes a special count for people in nursing homes, prisons, and colleges.
5: We are mandated by the Constitution to count everyone. So we are planning once again this decade, as of April 1st this year, to count everyone once and only once and in the right place.
7: The population count is tied to federal funding and representation in Congress. Ohio is already predicted to lose at least one seat in the U.S. House based on the next census numbers.
5: Those things are very, very important. That, that's where our voice is heard also. So we want to make sure that everyone's voice is involved. Everyone needs to be counted.
7: Hector Harris makes a special note to make sure people add their children to the census form. Children went undercounted in 2010. And she urges that the form will not have a question about a person's citizenship status, an idea that was pushed by the Trump administration, but ultimately rejected. Hi, I'm a census taker. Good pay, flexible hours. The Bureau is running these ads to help recruit more people to take a job with the census this year. Hector Harris says these jobs can be crucial to helping get an accurate count, and can be more than just walking around and knocking on doors.
5: Seniors in the community didn't want to apply because they thought, oh, my legs can't take walking from door to door. Those are not the only jobs that we have, but people associate those jobs with the Census Bureau. And we do have those, but that's not it. We have um, jobs for people with IT skills, people with recruiting skills, uh, clerks, supervisors.
7: This year, for the first time ever, the census can be completed online. Hector Harris says this will hopefully reduce the need for a lot of door-to-door counts later in the year. As for Michelle Heritage, the census in Ohio can mean more than just getting an accurate headcount.
8: When I talk to folks that are experiencing homelessness, especially if they've been homeless long-term, the word they use with me, the feeling that they have is invisible. They feel disconnected from the rest of us, and they're having an the experience that most of us can't even get our heads around. And so to be part of this and to be treated like every other citizen, that they're important and that they're enumerated, um, it does mean something to them.
7: Along with the availability of an online census, people can also fill out a paper form or do it by phone. Andy Chow at the Ohio Public Radio State House News Bureau.
0: And I'm Jerry Kenny. We've got more So Weekend coming your way.
9: Hey, it's Rachel Martin. Hosting Morning Edition has its pluses and minuses. A big plus is that I'm never stuck in traffic when I'm commuting at 3.30 in the morning. The downside, I am commuting at 3.30 in the morning. But I love knowing that you count on me and all of us here at Morning Edition to bring you the news. And your old car, yes, your car, can help us power tomorrow's Morning Edition. Here's how. Learn how to donate your car at WYSO.org under the support tab.
8: I'm Renee Wild, the producer of County Lines that takes listeners into the small towns and rural communities around the Miami Valley.
3: When I get up in the morning and that first brave little soul, that bird that starts chirping and everything comes to life and that sun's coming over the hill and you can see the breath from your livestock, you hear them crunching as they're coming to meet you. In that moment, I'm communing with
8: God. Join me for County Lines on the air and online.
9: Last off and chill out every Sunday night on Alpharhythms. I'm Juliette Fromholt. Join me for ambient, electronic, and new age music that will transport you through space and time. Your week ends and begins Sunday nights from 8 to 11 p.m. with Alpharhythms here on 91.3 WYSO.
10: This is a new and strange environment at first. This suddenly finding yourself in orbit.
0: Uh, Alpha Rhythms, a program near and dear to my heart. I'm Jerry Kenney. This is YSO Weekend on WYSO. Welcome back to the program. You may know I hosted the show for 18 years, starting in 1992. It now lies in the very capable hands of Juliet Fromholtz, who, as you may know, also hosts Kaleidoscope. Wednesday nights on this station, the show features some great local music. Much of it performed live in the WYSO studios. Local songwriter Amber Hargett released her debut album, Paper Trails last year. She's starting off 2020 by performing live around the Miami Valley and writing some new songs. Hargett visited Kaleidoscope last week to share some new material. Check this out.
4: Let's cut straight to the truth. You're into me, I'm into you. But I should warn you before the whole thing starts. Time is a luxury of which I have no part. Cause too old not to live this way adoption of my calling came a little too late and i won't leave that up to fate no more so what you get is what you see that's a middle-aged manifest guarantee don't expect no apology I've let myself go But I gave up Working for perfection Long ago Doubt I'll impress You much when I take Off my clothes I'm no beauty queen No I don't turn heads And I can't afford no Flashy threads but I'll sing Flip.
0: Local songwriter Amber Hargett performing live on Kaleidoscope last week. You can find more live performances from that program on the Kaleidoscope page on our website at WISO.org. Last weekend, many Ohio cities, including Dayton, participated in the fourth anniversary of the Women's March on Washington. Today, on the Best of Dayton Youth Radio, we'll revisit a 2017 story from then Stivers student Emma Johnson. It's about she and her grandmother's involvement in that historic movement.
3: I became a feminist in part because things started hitting me in the face. That's my grandmother,
11: who I call Cha Cha. She's one of my most important role models because she taught me how to stand up for myself as a person and as a woman and taught me that if anyone ever bothered me to kick them in the balls and move on.
3: Don't listen to fake news or alternative facts, but read the newspaper and pay close attention and then you need to act. Cha-Cha taught me how to use my
11: voice. But she didn't always know how to use her voice.
3: I grew up in a very conservative household, very traditional for the 50s and 60s. A woman at that stage couldn't get a a mortgage without having her father or her husband co-sign for it. I couldn't get a credit card in my own name. The hardest issues were the economic ones.
11: From marching in the 60s to knitting pussy hats for her granddaughters and for the Women's March on Washington, D.C., she has inspired me to be bold, be loud, Can you tell us um, why you started knitting pussy hats? (laughs) Because that's one of my favorite things that you do.
3: Well, I started knitting the the pussy power hats because it's a symbol of the movement, and it appeals particularly to those young people that need the inspiration and need to be inspired to have the stamina to stick this out. And I like to knit, so it's fun. It makes me happy to sit there knitting resistance. That's how I look at it.
11: The night that Trump won the election, I messaged Cha to tell her how sorry I was. I stayed up all night and realized that it doesn't matter how qualified a woman might be, how smart or strong. I realized that women always have a
3: disadvantage in comparison to the rights of men. Trump won this time, but he did it by collaborating with the Russians and appealing to the basest in people.
11: So... What do you think is the worst thing that could happen during this presidency for women?
3: I don't know that the the worst thing is necessarily for women as much as for black women and um, Hispanic women and Muslim women who risk living in this country. The number of hate crimes that have happened since Trump took office is scary. Cha Cha and I have been to
11: multiple protests together. The first one we went to together was a protest against
3: the Muslim travel ban. I am proud of the woman that you've become and the fact that you are active and involved and that you did go to that march. That march was a a memory for me, too. The Trump administration is reversing a lot of the social gains that we've made over the last 40, 50 years. This is going to be an interesting election in 2018 because... We are going to raise hell. We are nasty women (laughs) and bad dudes. (laughs) Bad hombres. Bad hombres, yes. (laughs) I want people to wake up.
11: I don't want to hear another one of my friends say, I'm not going to vote because my vote
3: doesn't matter. I know this is your first serious venture into politics, and I know from my experiences in the 60s and 70s that you're going to win some and you're going to lose some, and yeah, you cry, and you feel like life is over, and then you pick yourself up, and you start all over again.
11: Thank you so much for talking to me today, Cha. I just,
3: I really appreciate you being in my life and teaching me.
11: How to not let myself get bullied. I love you. I right. <laughs> Thank
3: you. <laughs> oh dear.
11: I did this story because I think that my grandmother has spent far too much of her valuable life fighting for rights that she should have been given in the first place. I fight for her every day and will keep fighting until she has the rights she has been denied, the rights that all women are being denied. For Dayton Youth Radio at Stivers School for the Arts, this is Emma Johnson.
5: That was a story entitled Cha-Cha and Me, written and produced by Stivers High School student Emma Johnson. Special thanks to Emma's grandma, Karen Veve, and also to Leslie Rogers and Eva Mexudas at Stivers. For Dayton Youth Radio, this is Basim Blunt.
0: This story originally aired in 2017. Emma Johnson now attends Washington University in St. Louis, where she continues to advocate for women's issues. For more Dayton Youth Radio, visit our website at WYSO.org.
10: is Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac for the second week of late winter, the second week of the lambing and kidding moon, the second week of the sun in Aquarius. Once the leaves are down in the fall, I avoid looking at winter. I'm always looking for spring and that particular moment when the best of the year still lies ahead. Sometimes I think anticipation is better than fulfillment. Promises can be better than what is promised. Hope is better than what is hoped for. When dreams come true, they're over. Happily ever after is often better as a wish. The fantasy of snowdrop blossoms can last indefinitely. The tangible snowdrops, well, not so much. It's not that I hold back when the buds actually open. It's just that I feel that their deepest truth is in the remnants of my longing. The early pussy willows break open just a little by this time of the year. But halfway open is better than all the way. The wetlands are quiet now, but that stillness is not really barren. That emptiness is clean and pure. It is making the space without which there would be no whistles and warbles of the red-winged blackbirds that will arrive in a week or two. In the days before the silence ends, the present is is briefly more powerful than the past and the future. Only possibility is really chased. Something in the body, like something in the land itself, senses the uncorrupted core of creation from which everything else blossoms. It understands the ineffable, formless, and wordless kernel of what is to be, that it is somehow more than being, because it contains not only its beginning and its ending, but its meaning. This is Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac. I'll be back again next week with notes for the third week of late winter. In the meantime, go outside somewhere between winter and spring and feel what's coming.
4: Bill Falker contributes to
9: newspapers nationwide, including the Yellow Springs News. Bill resides in Yellow Springs. Poor Wells Almanac is also available as a podcast at wyso.org.
0: That's it for this edition of YSO Weekend on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Jerry Kenney. Thanks for joining us. A few of our segments today were produced in the Eichelberger Center for Community Voices at WYSO. We've got more coming your way next week, 10 a.m. Coming up on WYSO, it's Vic McCunis with The Book Nook.
10: Eric Henry, local musician, blues fan, and host of the newest program here on WYSO, the Blues Revival. Meet me Sunday afternoons for a journey through time, blues time. Like the old cats say, if you don't dig the blues, you got to have a hole in your soul. Nobody wants that. Now I know that your love is real.
7: I'm Michelle Martin. These days, it seems like just about everybody is choosing sides and doubling down on talking points. Here at NPR, we try to cut through the noise with meaningful and respectful discussions with people from all perspectives, backgrounds, and walks of life. Join the conversation every weekend on All Things Considered from NPR News.
0: Coming up this afternoon at 5 on your public radio station, 91.3 WYSO.
9: Veterans Voices tells the story of local military veterans and their families through conversations recorded this summer when StoryCorps visited the area.
6: He would beat you in video games, and he would beat you in risk, and he would beat you in monopoly, and, <laughs> I mean, he could do it all. Listen to Veterans
9: Voices Wednesdays during Morning Edition here on 91.3 WYSO.
0: Veterans
10: Voices is presented by RiPad right Credit Union, with additional support from CareSource.